Welcome back, Smart First Responder community, to a mini-series created during the Phase 4 of the first challenge hosted at the Muscatatuck Urban Training Center. The first competition focus is to produce marketable prototypes that demonstrate indoor localization tracking and tracking of first responders within one meter accuracy without any pre-deployed infrastructure. In this mini-series, you will hear from many of the entrepreneurs, first responders, and team members involved that address the challenges and opportunities of Z-axis tracking from multiple perspectives around scalability, usability, affordability, and more. This challenge is administered by the Indiana University Crisis Technologies Innovation Lab and funded by the NIST Public Safety Communications Research PSCR Division. Enjoy this deep dive into Z-axis tracking, keep innovating, and let us know what you think. Here live at the training ground in Muscatat Training Center, uh, alongside Officer Newcomer. How you doing today? Absolutely great. So, uh, paint a picture for those that's not here today. What what do you see? What have you been doing today? So we're at Muscatatuck. We're at the simulated jail, and we are walking through the building, trying to help develop individual location for officers or firefighters that may be in responding to a, an event inside a building, like an active shooter situation, something of that nature. And uh, we're just kind of going through our paces as we normally would and um, trying to help identify different technology so we can hopefully use that in the future. If we're in a building, uh, we, we know where our partners are. Incident Command knows where we are inside the building. Hopefully that will you know, allow us to react more efficiently, but also in a more safe manner and maintain accountability of everybody on the scene. So from an incident command standpoint, whether it's fire, law, or EMS, and maybe from a law perspective here, why is this technology important and what, what could this type of tracking technology allow you to do more effectively? Well, it's when you have an active shooter situation, you have a lot of resources coming very quickly. You have fire, EMS, law enforcement. Everybody has a job to do. Everybody needs to get in the building either to find the shooter, to remove casualties, uh, whatever the case may be, but we all have to do it in a choreographed manner. So we're not running into each other. So we're not putting, you know, there's different hot, warm, cold zones, and we all have to know where we're operating. And I think this technology will help us to uh, make our officers safer as they go in, because I'll be able to, to know what other parts of the building other officers are in. So I don't have any unintentional blue on blue, you know, friendly fire situations. Incident command will know where officers are in the building and can understand where they need to send other officers. Maybe, you know, if it's a, this is a fairly small building, uh, you know, two story, multiple rooms, a lot of hallways. But if you have a mall or a large school, there's a lot of entry and exit points, different wings, different store, different levels of the building. And it may take multiple teams to go in there and search that building. And you don't want to put all your resources, you know, going into one location, but you also need to make sure that everybody knows where their operational zones are. Incident command can see that, you know, if, if this technology is developed, you know, they can pull this up on a laptop or an iPad and see that real time where everybody is and they can have a better understanding of where to insert teams. And then once law enforcement, you know, finds the threat or can push the threat to a different part of the building, 
that allows our rescue task forces, you know, fire EMS to come in and start removing the, the casualties from the building because in this, you know, an active shooter situation, it's, you know, time is everything. We have to, we have to get in and get people out quickly, you know, if we allow them to, to just stay in the building because we don't know who's operating where, those patients are going to start to die. And, you know, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of, uh, you know, a quick response if we're, if we're just kind of waiting around to figure out where everybody is when we can actually be productive because we know police have them in the upper floor of the building in the back corner. The rescue task forces can come in and start removing, you know, at least people from the first floor. So I think both in, you know, our safety as first responders, but also ultimately the goal of saving the lives, uh, this, this technology is, is going to help everybody once it's developed. So from a police and law enforcement perspective, when maybe kind of speaking to entrepreneurs and in, in, in industry that's trying to cultivate the best solution that, that's actually going to work and, and bring value and not be a distraction, mm-hmm. what's important to you as an end user for technology and innovation industry to think about when, when trying to make something that would actually that you would actually use and, and, and be part of your kind of day-to-day operations. Right. Well, whether it's for a law enforcement officer or a firefighter, the less equipment or gear that we have to strap on on top of everything else we have to carry is critical. It has to be something that's very lightweight, very small, very portable, that we can you know strap on a vest, throw in our pocket, and really you know push a button to start it and, and go on about our business. Because we as we're approaching a scene we don't have time to turn on a bunch of switches and program something and open an app and and you know do all this this extra stuff because we're trying to process in our mind how we're going to enter the building safely what are our priorities for you know getting people out communicating with other responders on the scene so it has to be something that as we say cop proof or firefighter proof that it, it can just kind of throw in your pocket and go anything you start strapping on you know whether it's you know an, a something that goes on a helmet or on a vest. It's one more thing we have to maneuver around from a law enforcement perspective. The more gear we have on, uh, the less agile we are. And then if we have to get into a physical confrontation with somebody, we don't need more things getting in our way as we're trying to apprehend a suspect. You know, firefighters, same issue. If they have to crawl through a small space, they already have an SCBA on their back and they, they have that to worry about. So if they've got another piece of equipment hanging off of them, that's just another snag point that's going to keep them from moving you know, efficiently through that that location. So I think another thing it needs to be that they look at is if I forget to activate my device, can somebody else activate it for me remotely? You know, once instant command rolls up, if they know I'm in the building but I forgot to push my button, can they trigger it from the command post and turn my system on for me while I'm inside? Yeah, well said. I mean, it's got to be easy, robust. But you're already carrying, I mean, we're sitting here in the back of your, your vehicle and you've got a lot of stuff in the trunk, but you also got a lot of stuff on you and right. you can't just keep adding more right. and more widgets. Right. Yeah. So any other final, uh, I guess, something that maybe excites you or something that, you know, kind of a message that you would say to um, either a fellow first responders or entrepreneurs about the interest or willingness to embrace new technology? No, I, th- I think this is just a fantastic opportunity. I'm really excited about it. I think anybody that gets an opportunity to participate in any of these trials now or after a few of the items make it to market, take that opportunity because anything we can do to increase our safety and do our jobs more efficiently 
technology is here. We have to embrace it and and just understand that there's going to be flaws, there's going to be trial and error, but you know, try something, work with the people that are trying to manufacture it, give them good, honest input. Don't just tell them it is not any good, tell them how to improve it. But I think it, it's just, it's something we need to just get on board with and go with it. Cause I think it's, you know, it, it's this type of, of, of technology is long overdue. And I'm really excited that somebody's in the process of developing it. Likewise. Well, thank you for your time today and, and, and thank you for your service and uh, participation here in the first challenge. Yeah. Thanks for having us out. Of course. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Smart Firefighting Podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard and got any value, please drop us a rating, leave us a comment, or reach out to us on social media. Have a great day, and together we can advance the future of Smart Firefighting. Fighting.